Are you struggling with kids fighting, yelling, and more despite listening to the podcast and reading all the books? Parenting can be so overwhelming and exhausting. You know, I see you and I have something that will help. Mindful Parenting SOS. I'm offering free live mindful parenting sessions starting Monday, May 6th. Basically, live mindful parenting lessons that you normally have to pay for. So if you struggle with getting your kids to listen, tantrums, misbehavior, and feeling the guilt of yelling at your kid, then you should definitely get your spot in Mindful Parenting SOS. I'll be there to answer your questions in person, and if you can't make it, we will have replays available. Don't wait to get your spot now. It's free. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS to register. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS. I can't wait to see you there. I'm only human and you're only human. This is what we do. We make mistakes. We say things we don't mean, but you have to understand that once you say it, it's out there and it's there forever. So you have to be careful with your words. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 264. Today, we're talking about how to communicate more skillfully with your kids with Dr. Jenny Rosier. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back, my friend. I hope uh, you're doing well and hanging in there. Oh my goodness. It's like February in a pandemic in the winter for us in the Northern Hemisphere. I know you guys in the Southern Hemisphere already went through this, but man, it's just, you know, just ready. I recently heard that the Roaring Twenties happened in response to the 1918 flu pandemic. So I'm wondering, like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of ready, ready for our own Roaring Twenties to happen afterwards. Oy, oy, oy. But I'm so glad you're here. And if you're new here, special welcome. So glad you are here. I'm honored to be in your ears. I can't wait to talk to you today. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Dr. Jenny Rosier. She's an associate professor at James Madison University, the director of the Relationships, Love, and Happiness Project, and author of several journal articles and books. And she's an expert in romantic and parent-child relationships. And so she directs her research and her speaking on helping others create more realistic expectations while enhancing the communication skills we need to maintain these bonds, including empathy, respect, and attachment. So this is going to be an awesome conversation. You'll see it's very, very real. And you know, the thing is like we as parents, right, this is going to be very much directed to parent-child relationship. We parents are often really unknowingly and sometimes knowingly making some big communication mistakes with our children. And these mistakes can cause resistance, resentment, and damage to your relationship. So how can we communicate better? And this is what I talked to Dr. Rosier about. And I want you to listen for some important takeaways. And one is uh, one of the biggest mistakes we make with our kids is really minimizing their feelings. She suggests that we can ask ourselves, would I say this to my mother? <laughs> and then a great phrase that we can use in repairing when we mess up is what I wish I had said was. So that was great. And so as you may know, I talk tons about communication and how to be more present and real in our relationships, in raising good humans, and in the Mindful Parenting course. So if you want a little taste of that, get your copy of Raising Good Humans. And it's an audiobook form as well, since I know you're a podcast listener. But also, if you're interested, I'm just releasing a brand new training, a quick five-minute video on how to stop yelling in 10 seconds, and also six simple steps to be a calmer parent in the Mindful Parenting Roadmap. So as you may know, Mindful Parenting is all about calming our reactivity and then communicating skillfully. So you'll see that in this roadmap, and you can find that at mindfulmamamentor.com. All right. 
And let's see, anything else we need to say before we dive into this amazing conversation? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, I can't wait to dive in. Come join me at the table as I talk to Dr. Jenny Rosier. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad to talk to you. I'm like a junkie for talking about communication <laughs> with kids, and uh, and you know, in the mindful parenting membership, that's like w- what we do. We talk a lot about communication. I, so well, maybe I think the best way to start off with would be what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see with parents in communicating with their kids? I think (laughs) that's a big question. Um, There are lots of mistakes that parents make. (laughs) I think that one of them that I see in even my own life and in the lives of lots of my friends is that we frequently speak to children as if they are fully capable of understanding what we're saying emotionally reacting to what we're saying in a way that would be the emotional reactions of an adult um, or behaving. We communicate with them in ways that we want them to behave in certain ways. And I just, I guess an example would be, you know, when you're telling your child to get over something that you think is trivial. I think like minimizing their feelings is one of the main issues that people have. And I am totally guilty of it. Um, I I frequently uh, talk about, research, write about all of this great communication with parents and children, and then I go home and minimize my kids' feelings. So I am not <laughs> in any way, shape, or form the perfect parent. Um, one time my daughter came home from school and she got off the school bus and she was 10 years old and she started just blubbering, crying the second she got off the school bus. And I'm thinking that something like really terrible has happened. And I, you know, we drive back up to the house and I say, Oh, come to my room. Let's have a private conversation. And you tell me everything that happened. And she's, you know, crying uncontrollably. She's like today at school. A boy pulled a chair out from under me when I reached up to get a marker. It was terrible. And I'm like, oh, wow, that is pretty bad. Like, that must have been so embarrassing when you fell on the ground. And she's like, well, I I didn't really fall on the ground. I'm like, wait, so what happened? And he, she goes, well, I I leaned forward to get a marker. And the boy pulled the chair out. And then I turned around and saw him. And then I just pulled my chair back and sat down. (laughs) Oh, hold on a minute. (laughs) So so, let me get this straight. (laughs) You're like trying to not smile. Oh my God. You are this upset about the potential for that you might have maybe gotten embarrassed from the thought of potentially falling on the ground. And she's like, yeah, it's terrible. Oh, <laughs> and no. at that moment, I wanted to say, oh my gosh, I have things to do. Can you please just suck it up and get over this? And because it was kind of a, it wasn't stressful for me. It wasn't a stressful situation where your child is crying and you're overwhelmed with stress. It was a almost comical. I was able to compose myself and realize her feelings are real. Her feelings are valid. She's allowed to have them. And to her, this is a really big deal. And it doesn't matter what I would think or what I would do in this situation or how, how I would react to this, this is about her. And so I said, that must've been really hard. Yeah. That must've been really hard is like, it's the best thing to say. And she continued to cry for like three more minutes and I hugged her and I told her that I was sorry that it happened to her and that it must've been really difficult and then she was okay. But I mean, it took minutes to something that to me was so silly. 
it should, she should have, shouldn't have got upset about it to begin with. And Mm -hmm. so I think one of the main things that we do as parents, especially with younger kids, is we minimize their feelings or we trivialize their feelings. And when we need to recognize that they're allowed to have their feelings and they're allowed to have their upset and they're allowed to react to things in whatever way they want because it's their experience and it's their feelings. And, you know, we, we wouldn't do that to an adult if, if your partner was crying uncontrollably to you. Um, hopefully you wouldn't do that to him or her. Yeah. You might be curious. Like you'd be like, well, wow, honey, that was really that chair incident was really upsetting to you. Like, I wonder what's going on, you know? Exactly. You you would, it would, it would invoke your curiosity and concern. You wouldn't say, oh, come on. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Get over it. When your partner is like blubbering, you know? I mean, I think that we unfortunately do do that with our partners. Sometimes we say, um, come on. But if they're visibly physically upset about it, I think that we would hopefully try to bite our tongue. Parenting can be loud, stressful, and rough some days. And we want to be able to go to bed and take care of ourselves in a really beautiful way. And that's why I love that Cozy Earth is a sponsor of the podcast. Cozy Earth offers bedding products that will transform your sleep. The bedding is temperature regulating, which is like a huge sleep benefit, has superior softness, incredible fabric, and incredibly high quality. All the products come with a 10-year warranty. Truly, incorporating Cozy Earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and your overall wellness. You deserve to treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence after all the day's craziness of parenting with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear. And it's a way to prioritize your self-care and sleep health. You deserve it. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use the code MINDFUL35 for 35% off. That's awesome. At CozyEarth.com. That's coupon code MINDFUL35 for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. And this is this is our 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 own training, our own habit energy, our culture, our conditioning, all that stuff to to trivialize other people's feelings. You know, that's just part of our culture to to put judgment on and to say you should you shouldn't have those feelings. And so if those thoughts are coming up for you, dear listener, like that's pretty normal. They come up for all of us because we are all in the same suit sure. in, in, in that case, you know. Sure. Especially when we're dealing with small children. I mean, they cry about the most crazy things. I mean, really, especially, you know, little kids like toddlers and preschoolers and young elementary school kids. I mean, my son one time cried because a Pop-Tart had broken in half and he was then inedible and he cried like profusely about it. So I ate it and then he cried even more because I ate (laughs) his inedible Pop-Tart. And to me, I'm like, is this happening? Is this real life? Are we really this upset about a broken Pop-Tart? What am I doing wrong as a mother? What am I, I'm not giving them any kind of, you know, resilience? What's happening? Um, 
And I could, you know, but I just hugged him and said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry I did that. I realize this is upsetting you. And so that, that desire to minimize, that desire to diminish is really strong in lots of us. And it's hard, hard habit to break. Yeah. And so, and I hope also what you're hearing from Jenny here, dear listener, is that like, none of this is your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Like, let's just stop spinning out the stories about ourselves or our kids and what they're going to be like in the future for these incidents. Like they're just allowed to have their feelings and kids have feelings about crazy stuff. Yeah. And it has no bearing on you or your ability to be a parent. Kids, I have four children. They are all very different. They all had their, um, I like to call it an emotional, emotionally unstable phase. And they all had that phase at different points and for different lengths of time um, where they were just emotionally unstable about most things. You know, little things push them over the edge. Some of them, I mean, our middle child has been going through his emotionally unstable phase for, I don't know, we're going on four or five years now. It's never, it doesn't seem to be ending. Um, and so <laughs> he is just really, he was the Pop-Tart kid. He's just unstable about little things, you know, um, doesn't know how to tie his shoes, doesn't want you to help him tie his shoes, but doesn't know how to tie his shoes and wants his shoes tied, but you can't help him, but he doesn't know how to tie his shoes. crying uncontrollably about it. (laughs) So, so I wanted to talk about some of the other mistakes that we make, but, but speaking of situations like this, where you're just like, I want to bang my head against the wall kind of situation with a child like this, how, what are, you know, what are some of the things, you know, quickly kind of like, what are some of the things that you do to deal with the, the stress of that? Do you, do you give yourself breaks away from the emotionally unstable child so that you can get a breath of fresh air? I think that one of the best things that you can do as a parent for yourself and for your romantic partner, if you are in a romantic relationship parenting with someone else, is to figure out what you enjoy doing to de-stress and to share that information with your partner Mm -hmm. and both of you to figure it out. It's one of the best things you can do. Um, My husband and I talk about it frequently. He likes to drive his car. He's a car guy. So he likes to just go for a drive. I don't get that. I don't want to drive unless I have to, but for him, he'll just go and drive for an hour and he comes back refreshed and he comes back feeling good. And I say, wow, that's, that was really great. Um, I enjoy, you know, getting a manicure or pedicure. Can't do that now with COVID, but that was something I enjoyed doing. When things change, you try to figure out like, what are some things that you need to de-stress? I highly enjoy eating ice cream. It helps me de-stress. Like I just sit there and I'm one with the ice cream and I just relax (laughs) and de-stress. And that could take a minute. I don't even have to, you know, go somewhere for an hour. It's just a couple of minutes sitting by myself eating ice cream (laughs) or watching (laughs) trash television, you know. Um, You have to figure out what these things are that you need to calm down, to be de-stressed, to down-regulate. And then you need to share that information with your partner. Because if you just keep it to yourself, it doesn't really help anybody. But if you share it with your partner, your partner can notice that you're being stressed and offer, hey, why don't you go drive your car? I mean, I must have told my husband to go for a drive like three or four times last week. We were just it, having some rough issues with childcare, and we had our children in our home more than we had in the past. And so we were both really a little overwhelmed with the amount of, um, child raising that we were doing. And so I must have told him three or four times, go for a drive. And he's like, okay, like pick something up on your way, but go for a drive. (laughs) I can get another job done. I think that the idea of figuring out what you need to do to de-stress and then sharing it with your partner is so, so, so helpful. Yeah, that that sounds like an, an important conversation to have for sure. Let's let's all make sure we've gone home and and had this conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. back to the mistakes. What other mistakes are we making uh, in communication with our kids? What do you think about 
And so one of the things we talk about in our, in mindful parenting are some of the problems with the way we just tend to like kind of bark orders at kids. Mm. What do, what's your point of view on that? <laughs> like do this, do yeah, that. Sure. So I think it's a big issue that we bark orders at children frequently. I think that most parents do it and we do it in terms of, you know, you have to do these chores do your chores, but also, hey, can you get me this? Can you get me that? I mean, my husband and I joke frequently that why'd we have so many kids if we <laughs> weren't going to have them do stuff for us? Um, and so this idea that you have to do something right here and right now, and you don't have a choice to do it later is such a, it's such an odd, an odd perspective to have. You know, if I have a deadline for something at my job. Yes, I have to get it done by the deadline, but I don't typically have to do it on a certain day, at a certain hour, at a certain minute during that hour or else. Usually I have time to get it done. And so this idea of, you know, telling kids that they have to do it right here, right now, or else is not preparing them for the future. Um, maybe it's preparing them for a future where people boss them around a lot and they take it. And I don't think that's what we want. No. So, I mean, I think it, it can be, it can be really damaging to them because it can make them create expectations that this is what the world is like. And this is not what the world is like. And it's causing resentment too, right? It, it's mm -hmm. funny because this is like a, this is part of the communication that we teach and I talk about in raising good humans and it's like still so like habitual just like you said like you make these mistakes too like this is still it's still so habitual for me that I notice like oh I have this expectation that my kid's gonna just jump up and do this thing right now but if I think about like my partner my husband I wouldn't be, say hey can you do this and some things I would want him to like help me out right away with but a, a lot of things if he was like in the middle of something I wouldn't expect him to just pop up like a robot and like come and do whatever I was asking him to do and so it's it's yeah. interesting and how I, I, my brain always goes there anyway though sure and I think that can lead to another mistake that we don't tend to communicate with our children in respectful ways if you wouldn't say it to your romantic partner, if you wouldn't say it to your best friend, if you wouldn't say it to your mom, why would you say it to a small child? Who's learning how to, to speak from you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I frequently check myself. Am I about to say something that is respectful? Because I wouldn't talk to my husband this way. So why would I talk to my kids this way? And I I, I'm not saying that I don't. I make mistakes all the time. I snap. I say something that I wish I could take back. Um, and then, but I really try really hard <laughs> to check myself and make sure that what I'm about to say, I would say to an adult who I loved. <laughs> um, and lots of times the answer is no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that to my mom. I wouldn't, why would I say that to my mom? I wouldn't say that to my husband. I wouldn't say that to my best friend. Um, and so then I make the decision. I'm not going to say that to my five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because they're going to just repeat everything mm -hmm. too anyway, right? Like that was a huge wake-up call for me was I remember like looking into the sunroom and seeing my older daughter bark orders in a super rude way to her like younger baby sister. And I was like, oh snap, that's what I sound like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Eye opening. One time I remember looking into my playroom and my daughter who was, I don't know, five was talking to her two-year-old brother and they were playing family. And so, and he was playing, he was being the baby and she was being the mom. And she said, I don't have time for you right now. I have too much work to do. You're going to have to leave me alone for like an hour. And I said, oh my gosh, that is, I don't have time for you. Wow. <laughs> That's terrible. I hate that she just said that. Um, which I think also this can lead to another mistake that I think parents make is they fail to repair with mm -hmm. their kids. So we do all these things that we are upset about, that we wish that we didn't say, 
And then we just kind of brush it under the rug or we just pretend it didn't happen. Or we just like greet our kid with a happy smile. Hey, how's it going? After we just yelled at them. Um, We rarely make appropriate, complete apologies to repair what was just done. I cannot tell you how many times I have said to one or all collectively of my children, um, what I just said was completely inappropriate. I'm really sorry for saying it. I was really upset at the time. I was really angry or I was really stressed out or I was really frustrated and annoyed. I'll, I'll label my feeling. And then I'll say what I wish I had said mm. was. And for me, I mean, I feel like that, the, that last part is better and more important than even the apology. Even if you don't, I mean, of course we want to say, I'm sorry. And I didn't mean, I wish I didn't say it, but what I wish I said was, because Mm -hmm. then you're modeling to them what should have been done in that situation. And even though you didn't do it, even though you didn't have the ability to do it or the courage to do it, you are showing them if I was in that situation and I had the right frame of mind, I would have said, And I have done that so many times. And lots of times after I say that, the child that I'm speaking to will say, yeah, that would have been better. (laughs) (laughs) And I say, yes, I know. I wish I had said it. That's what I wanted to say. That's what I wish I had said. And I'm really sorry that I didn't say that, but my frustration got the best of me. Um, One time I heard my, my children heard my husband and I having an argument And we had said something that wasn't very kind to one another. We did not know they were listening and they heard. And the next day, my son asked me about it. And I said, okay, I'm really sorry that you heard mommy and daddy have that conversation. We don't have those conversations hardly at all. Um, But we did have it and you heard it. And that's how you know it happened. (laughs) But... Um, I think it's kind of similar to like when you say that you wish you didn't have a brother or you wish you didn't have a sister. You say something really mean because you're super angry and that's what was going on. I was super angry and I said something really mean and he looked at me and he said, yeah, we both need to work on that. And I said, yeah, we do. Because I've heard you say some pretty mean things to your brother. And you don't wish you didn't have a brother, right? And he's like, no, I was just mad. And I said, I'm only human. And you're only human. This is what we do. We make mistakes. We say things we don't mean. But you have to understand that once you say it, it's out there. It's there forever. So you have to be careful with your words. And sometimes we just need to take a break. Like, that's what I should have done. I should have said, I don't want to have this conversation right now. Mm -hmm. And then taken a break. And he's like, so I should say that. And I said, yeah, if you feel like you're getting that angry, say, I don't want to have this conversation and just walk away. So we can talk about this again later. And likely they don't even need to talk about it again later because it was about a missing Lego or something, (laughs) something very trivial. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Now, when you have moments like that where, you know, your son has caught you in a really unskillful moment oh. and, and uh, you know, it's like, gosh, I teach this communication and I really mm. messed up in that moment and that wasn't so great. It sounds like you have a very, you have a pretty healthy uh, sense of perspective about that, about, about, you know, you being human and things like that. It sounds like to me that you're not like shooting the second arrow, I would call it. You're not, you know, you had a wound and a difficulty and you're not shooting another arrow into your wound and telling yourself that you're a terrible person about that. Am I right, Jenny? Yes, I am of the belief that we are all doing the best we can with what we have and that we are all trying very hard. We all make mistakes. I do not typically beat myself up for mistakes that I have made communication-wise with my kids or with my husband. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't ever feel sorry or remorse. Don't get that impression. I definitely do. But I also fully understand that we are all just trying to do the best we can. And I am trying to do the best I can. And we make mistakes. I tell my students all the time. I teach a undergraduate course at James Madison University about attachment communication. And I say, you know, I've just spent three hours lecturing to you guys about how to speak to your children um, as if they're the most magical, wonderful, amazing human beings on the planet. And then I am going to leave here. I am going to go home. The dishes will not be done. And I will scream at my daughter for not doing the dishes. And they all like are surprised. Like, we think, we think you're probably like the best communicator with your kids of anyone we know. And I'm like, no, no, I, I still get stressed out. I still get frustrated. I am not a superhero in any way, shape, or form. I am trying, and I know more information than the average person, but that doesn't mean that I'm always able to follow my own advice or to stay calm when I know that that's what I need to do and to not feed into their hysteria. Uh, sometimes I jump right in with them. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. And, the, and then when we know that, the, you know, we're not using the full brain, you know, in those sure. moments of be, feeling reactive and, and um, under stress. Now, you said earlier, you described how the repair and how you would say you're sorry to your child and, and I think a lot of parents worry about the idea of undermining a natural authority or hierarchy when they consider this idea of apologizing to their child, that it may put them in a subordinate position and that feels really uncomfortable and strange and it just gives them a gut reaction of like, I don't know if I could do this kind of thing. So I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit and how it affects the relationship. So I, I get that. I totally get that. But for me, my gut reaction to that is, so what <laughs> if that happens? What is, what's going to happen? <laughs> What what is what's gonna happen if you lose a little bit of authority? I so what? Uh, for me, it's way worse for a child to grow up not knowing how to apologize, mm. or not knowing what an apology looks like, or what an apology feels like, or that when you make a mistake, you should apologize. That is way 
way more damaging than you as an adult losing a little of your authority with your child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think like that it's just, well, it's a relationship, right? Like you're just repairing that relationship. So then you're repairing the connection and the connection is really the driver of cooperation anyway, right? It's, it's, Sure. Kids who feel connected are much more willing to cooperate than kids who feel disconnected. Kids who feel safe and secure are much more willing to do things that you need them to do or that you want them to do, Um, whether that be chores or go get me a soda or, you know, stop yelling in the house. Um, Kids give you a hard time when they're having a hard time, um, as do adults. And, uh, if we can remember that it can help us be more empathetic with our child when we know that, Oh, well he's acting crazy or she's acting crazy. It's probably because they're feeling crazy inside of their body and they don't know how else to get it out. Um, Yeah. 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 So what are some of the, what are some like constructive ways to, hold boundaries then if we're if we're you know one thing we talk about and we've talked about a number of times here on the mindful mama podcast and in mindful parenting is how destructive punishments are how they just kind of make your kids mad at you rather than reflective on their own behavior and how they its effects on them and how kind of wielding that power it, it may like quote unquote work in the short term, but it, you pay like a pretty heavy price, right? For all the kind of resistance and resentment that you get in the long term. So wondering then, you know, from your point of view, what are some, what are some more effective, more compassionate ways to kind of like hold some boundaries and get some of your own needs met, like, like help around the house and all those different things? Well, I think when we talk about help around the house, that's a great example, right? Um, one of the things that I think you need to do is there. Sh- I mean, in our, in our house, at least we are under the belief that one uh, teamwork makes the dream work. And we have six people in our family. There's a lot of stuff to do. We live on a few acres. We have a lot of things to do outside our house and inside our house in order to make our family dream work. So we talk about that a lot. And we, our kids know that, you know, what we're doing right now, this is our family dream. And in order to make this dream work, there has to be teamwork between all six of us. And so one of the things that we do is we try to like empower them to believe that their contribution really matters. So it's not, you have to do the dishes because I want you to do the dishes or because I don't want to do the dishes. It's, there are lots of jobs. The jobs make this dream happen. And let me tell you, it's a dream. So (laughs) this is amazing. Your life is awesome. And the only way that it is continued, that it is capable of continuing to be awesome is by all of these tasks being done. And your contribution is really, really important. So we try to let them realize that their work is meaningful. And once they really internalize that and they really realize that their work is meaningful, they start to be a little bit more intrinsically motivated than extrinsically motivated. And my husband and I talked about that a lot when we first started having children, that we really wanted them to be intrinsically motivated to to do hard things, to do work. And because we both were as kids. And so we, you know, wanted our families to succeed. And so we worked really hard to do those things. And so we learned that you have to get that intrinsic motivation first, and then you can give extrinsic rewards. So we are also under the belief that when you do work, you should be paid for it Mm. because that is what happens in the real world. You know, I don't do work that I don't get paid for. And they should realize the value of their work, of their contribution. And so they get an allowance. 
um, when they do the chores that they're supposed to do. And I will say that there are some times where it's like, oh, come on, do your chore, do your chore, do your chores. But our kids really do just do it. I don't know why, but they just do. And I think a lot of that is because of we constantly reinforce them like, wow, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do A, B, and C if you hadn't have done the dishes all week because you doing the dishes all week made it so that mommy could do this. And when I did this, then I was able to have more playtime with you guys later. So because my time was not taken away from the dishes, I was able to give that time to play Monopoly with you later. Isn't this awesome? This is our dream. And you guys, your teamwork is making our dream work. And that just motivates them. I mean, they see, I think they like the the money, you know, they have banks and they put their money in their banks, but for them, and I would argue most kids, they value that one-on-one attention. They value that family interaction. And we frequently tell them, if you guys can help, you get more from us. You get more time from us. I mean, if you don't help and mommy and daddy have to do it all, there's not any time to go on a hike. There's not any time to play Monopoly. There's not any time to play kickball outside. And so they see that and the our youngest who is five he hasn't totally got that yet but our eight-year-old and our two 11-year-olds they 100 percent get it and they will do their chores so that they can have that time with us um and so i think the goal is to like make it make it so that the kids feel like their contribution really matters. It's really important. It's not just because you don't want to do something or because you're mean or because you're Cinderella's stepmom. <laughs> yeah. And and then probably like, you know, giving them like we went back to earlier, you know, some time to do that. You know, you giving them some choices and not the exact minute and exact second and jump up to do that thing, but like, hey, you need to do that thing and you know, some time to do that. Sure. That, that was my, uh, that was our, our problem on putting away the clean dishes earlier was they had school and they felt like they didn't have time, but it only takes them 60 seconds. Yeah. Uh, drives me crazy. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so how do, how can we, how can we cultivate better and more skillful communication with siblings? Right? Like, so say you're, you know, when well, I don't kids, know the answer to that, <laughs> you don't know this one. <laughs> Like, you know, like that four-year-old that's answer, like let me whacking, know. <laughs> whacking the younger one. I, I don't, I can't speak to that. I do not know. I, I sorry. So is that a frustration for you then? Like, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our kids can be super nasty to each other. They're very competitive. I, we believe that they're very competitive because we had twins first. And so mm-hmm. from the get-go, twins were vying for our attention and it could only be split and it was never we never had that only child where mm-hmm. we got to give them all of their all of our attention and so they're very competitive they're competitive over food they're competitive over toys over i mean all kinds of things and we have tried so many different things to make them be more loving and less have less rivalry and it we're I don't know <laughs> we, some things work for a little while um and then and then things fall apart but they're they're very competitive I don't know I feel like we just have to ride it out I don't know that there's much helping mm-hmm. them I mean it's hard to teach adults to have better communication skills it's very difficult to teach children to have better communication skills. All they can learn, all they can do is model us. And so it's really a trickle down, trickle mm-hmm. down communication skill learning. And it's, it's hard. Teaching them to be kind to each other is really hard, especially when they're with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, when we talk about this in mindful parenting, some of the things we talk about are um, kind of a, uh, 
coaching and translating for your kids? Like, okay, like your brother said, you know, you know, the brother says some terrible, unskillful, mean thing, and and mm-hmm. you say, okay, and then you turn to the sibling and say, your brother was trying to say that he was really frustrated, and that was why yeah. he bonked you over the head with his toy. What do you what do you have to say to that? So a little bit of like translating unskillful language into skillful language when you have the time and the capacity and all of that to be sure. able to do that. But I imagine also like kind of like you had like you have this like teamwork makes the dream work campaign. <laughs> some of the some of the like you know there can be like some of that like kind of cultivating I guess that um, culture of caring about your sibling. You know, it's funny because I thought it was this cheesiest little board book with the pink gingham on the on the binding. I thought it was mm-hmm. so like dorky, but it was all about it was all about sisters and how that you know had one little page about how they fight sometimes but how much they value each other and how important <laughs> they are in their lives and it was like so awesome and i can't remember the title of it but we read that board book a whole lot and i feel like it may have helped i don't know you know there's nothing it can have hurt i think yeah oh yeah no none of that stuff doesn't hurt it's great um and for us we find with four children we find that them being around each other all the time is really harmful That's because they all, well, they just all have such big personalities, which I pat myself on the back for. I'm like, wow, great. <laughs> they have such strong personalities, but, and that will bode well for them when they are older. But right now it's pretty difficult to have four strong, different personalities in one room or in two rooms. So we, we work hard at trying to separate them as much as we can. Yeah. So I guess a a nice way to kind of like wrap this up would be to kind of think about then the parents themselves, like the parenting partners. What are some of the ways that we can improve our communication with our parenting partners? So then hopefully we're modeling that healthy communication with our kids. I think it depends on how old your children are. Um, I'm big on the repair, as I said already. And one of the things that my husband and I did when our kids were really young was we would purposefully act out something in front of them. So we would say something that was just mildly rude, you know, to the other person. And then I would say, wow, that really hurt my feelings. I didn't like that you said that. And then he would go through an apology and he would apologize to me in front of them, but not we weren't, we would act like they weren't paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. So we would act Ooh. like they were somehow <laughs> eavesdropping on our conversation. And that worked for us for a really long time. We did it all the time. Anytime we thought that they were saying nasty things to each other, we would do that. Another, we do this eavesdropping thing a lot. Another eavesdropping thing that we do is we will talk proudly about our children to each other as if we don't think they can hear us. So what does that do? I love that. Oh, we do it all the time. So I'll, you know, we'll be within earshot of them and we'll pretend like we don't think they're listening, but we know that they're listening. And we'll say something like, wow, Wes, did you see Vivian yesterday do A, B, and C with her brothers? And he'll say, oh, I know. She is so mature. She is, you know, turning into such a beautiful young lady. And we'll just talk about some some action that they did that we appreciated. And we will really talk it up. Um, whether it was something that we are actually terribly proud about or something that maybe is just a little thing, but we would like to see more of those little things together. And so we do that frequently. And I've heard them tell each other, did you hear what daddy said about me to mommy? Or did you hear what mommy said about me to daddy? And I can tell that it's because it's not only helping them, but then they're saying it to their sibling and their siblings like mommy and daddy were talking good things about you. Like I wish they would talk good things about me and then we'll try to like (laughs) do it with another kid. So we do that a lot where we praise them in kind of a secretive way but so they can hear us. Um, Because I think that that is one of the better things that, 
motivates kids to to grow and learn is that they think they hear that other people like them. They hear, you know, I remember growing up and my dad would say, I love you so much. And I'd be like, yeah, you just say that because you're my dad, you know, or he'd say, you're so beautiful, Jenny. You're such a beautiful young lady. And I'd say, ah, oh, you just saying that because you're my dad, like the boys at school don't think I'm beautiful, you know, <laughs> something like that. And I remember thinking that it was somehow like ingenuous because he said it to me, to my face. I think if I had heard him say it, you know, to my mom, like, wow, Jenny is just so beautiful lately. Have you noticed how beautiful she is or how great at school she's doing or, you know, how kind she's being to her sister? I think I would have believed it more because I would have thought like, they don't think I'm listening and they're talking about me. Like, that's so awesome. They're talking about me in a positive way. So we try to do those kinds of things to, to model things for the kids and to make the kids feel safe and secure and happy. In terms of the two of us communicating in ways that can help our relationship, uh, wow, there's so much. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, a whole other podcast. I'll have to have that's you a back whole on another podcast, <laughs> a whole another uh, series. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. So I love that little idea of talking proudly about your kids in front of them. That's really fun. And that's hilarious that you, the purposely, act, purposefully acting out something in front of them. I think that's really awesome. I would totally try that right now if like my kids were, three and six and exactly. not 10 and 13. Exactly. Like, What's wrong younger? with you? <laughs> exactly. And, and we, we could be totally terrible actors too. It didn't matter because they were three, four years old and they're like, wow, mommy said something really mean to daddy. And, and daddy is, uh, <laughs> mommy's having to apologize. Like this must be embarrassing, you know, and they would just listen to us and sometimes they would talk to us about it later too. Like daddy said something really mean to you. I'm sorry, mommy. <laughs> That's, okay. That's so funny. Cause I all, kind of, I remember, you know, I knew that like, it's good, to, you know, for kids to hear like the resolution of an argument. Right. Mm -hmm. But I felt frustrated cause we didn't have like, an, you know, like I was like, what do I do? Do we make up an, you know, like I didn't yeah. think about making up an argument. So they probably did not see many resolutions. Yeah. We didn't, we we just thought of it one day. I was like, well, we're not arguing in front of them. Like, let's let's make something up. And he was like, <laughs> oh, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and so we just started doing it and it worked really well. And then the eavesdropping thing, talking about them proudly works like a charm, no matter what their age is. Oh, what a nice way to put, really put deposits in that relationship bank account. Mm -hmm. That's really, really cool. Well, Jenny, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you. Do you have any sort of... Uh, I guess, final parting, parting words about this idea of communicating, you know, better communication with our kids and kind of avoiding some of those mistakes? The main thing, and I'll just take it back full circle to the beginning of our conversation. The main thing that I think we need to do is realize that our children's feelings are real. They are allowed to have them. They are allowed to overreact or underreact according to us and that we need to encourage them to have whatever feelings they want to have. Um, because I'm sure that if, some, if you've ever had someone tell you, you know, that you shouldn't be feeling a certain way, it doesn't feel very good to be told that. Um, and I don't think that any of us want to put that on our kids where they question their own feelings or, or think that they're bad because they're feeling something that they shouldn't be feeling according to some adult. Um, and especially when that adult is the one person in the world that's supposed to love them unconditionally more than anyone else, um, it can do a lot of damage to them. So your kids' feelings are real. Amen. Yes. Amen, sister. <laughs> okay. So I love this, Jenny. I've had a, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Thanks Where's for having me. Find out, find out more about the work you do and, and what you have to offer. So you can always find me on Instagram at relationships, love, happiness, or on the web at www.relationshipsloveshappiness.com. Um, I've also written several popular press books and um, digital workbooks, which you could find on my website. Um, and 
interestingly, I am starting a podcast at the end of this month called the Love Matters Podcast. So oh, you can look for that wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, thank you. It's been a great pleasure. I appreciate the work you're putting out in the world. And I really appreciate you sharing your time with us here today. Thank you. I love what Dr. Rosier said about saying instead, what I wish I had said was, right? That's so skillful. I love that. These are the kind of things that make me just love, love, love talking to these amazing people on the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. So I would love to hear what your takeaways are, my dear friend. I would love to see them. Take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram, Mindful Mama Mentor, or reach out in the Mindful Mama Tribe Facebook group and let me know what your takeaways are. Let's start the conversation there. It's an incredible group of, I think we have over like 9,000 parents there now. So that's a wonderful free private group to join. You can check that out and find the show notes for this episode. Find our amazing sponsors and the new Stop Yelling video guide and the, the Mindful Parenting Roadmap. All of that good stuff is at mindfulmamamentor.com. And that's all. Wishing you a great week. I hope you have some, you know, all the things you need. I get, hope you get some of your those needs met, like, you know, some time by yourself, some time to talk to your friends, maybe physical contact, right? Like, or maybe it's not physical contact, just seeing what you need. I hope you get some of those needs met. It's not so easy in pandemic. I know it's such a hard time, but we're almost there. We're almost there. We can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. And I'll be rooting for you as you practice how you want to show up. Thank you so very much. I will connect with you next week. And I can't wait to talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. I say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.